0: Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the Good Life with Dawn Richards podcast. I am Dawn Richards, your host, and man, I am so glad to be back with you. Uh, it has been a little while since we were together, and it seems like this year in particular, every time we have a, um, a break, uh, the world continues to turn topsy-turvy. and With everything happening in the world right now, um, It's been quite a lot to digest. It's been a lot to, um, you know, pray about, think through, uh, endeavor to follow the leading of the Lord and be impactful. And I'm sure many of you can relate to that um, in your own personal lives and how you're handling and, um, you know, going through all of the things that are coming at us from COVID-19 and the pandemic we're in to now, um, all of the, you know, addressing of what has been a part of America's fabric for too long, which is systemic racism and all of the continued injustices that have sparked, um, somewhat of a revolution. And I, I'm hopeful that this is going to take us to where we really ought to be and need to be as a nation and it, even around the world in the days ahead. I, I do pray. I know change is coming and I do pray that we get it right this time and that the change that does occur is actually leading us to the lofty promises of the Constitution, which is life, liberty and the pursuit of happiness for all men. Um, regardless of your race or not your race, but regardless of your color or your gender or any other qualifier that would, you know, define you. So a lot, a lot, a lot. And out of that, um, I'm always being thoughtful and prayerful about, you know, what I want to share, if anything on that particular topic, but what I just want to share with you when I come to you with the podcast. um, Sometimes it's, you know, deep in the word. Sometimes it's, you know, more um, on just the, the daily life uh, plateau and in range and frequency. And today I think we have a mixture of, of both of those where I do want to take you to uh, something that I found in the scripture that I think will highlight um, the core message. And I, I want to talk today about caring, um, not caring in the sense that you carry care because God is told us again and again in the word that we're to cast our cares over on him. But in the sense of actually caring about one another, caring about another person and, you know, thinking about all that's happening again with black lives matters and, you know, people saying they're going to be an ally and they say they are standing with us and they say, Hey, we're in the fight with you. You're not alone. We're stronger together and waiting to see actual measurable, you know, outcomes from that, not just lip service, so to speak, has been interesting um, on a lot of levels, whether it's the corporate world, whether it's, you know, in any sector or any industry um, of commerce that you can think of, you know, people have endeavored to to make that statement, I dare say political statement to be on the, the right side of things to be PC. But it's more than that because there are lives behind all of this, um, lives that for too long, you know, have not had the equality uh, and the access that is rightfully deserved. And so as we move forward, one of the things that has been, you know, at the forefront is for those people who really are allies, in understanding that there's a place for listening. There's a place for caring enough to to listen to what your black brothers and sisters have to say, to listen to their experiences, to understand. Um, As my pastor was sharing, even just this morning during service, he was saying that, and that's virtual service, we're still virtual, but during service, he was sharing how his spiritual father had mentioned to him, and his spiritual father is, is white, and my pastor is black. And he said that his spiritual father shared with him how the Lord kind of made it clear to him that, you know, the black man, the black person, man or woman, grows up, you know, focused on learning about the white man because it's the dominant culture. And so it's not even an option. It's just, you know, how we kind of maneuver in this society. But on the other hand, he, as a white man, never thought about what it's like to be a black person. Never Pause. Never gave it a second thought. Um, it just wasn't there. It just wasn't top of mind. It just never registered. And obviously, him acknowledging that and the Lord bringing that to his attention triggered him to say, "You know, that's not going to be how it stays. I am going to now position myself." And he loves. You know, he loves people um, of all um, ethnos, ethnic ethnic backgrounds and everything. I I wouldn't classify him as a racist, um, having followed that ministry for many years. But again, there's that unawareness. There's that lack of knowledge, which equals ignorance. Ignorance is simply a lack of knowledge. It's just not knowing. Um, Sometimes it's willful, and that's when it becomes insidious. But generally speaking, just not knowing is ignorance. And that can surface in anyone's life, depending on what you're referring to. And so... The big thing behind that is the fact that he cares enough now to A, recognize what he doesn't know. And then secondly, to actually take steps to begin to put himself in the shoes of a black person and what those experiences are and listening and and enlightening his understanding and then getting clear on how he can actually, and that goes for any person, that's dedicated to helping and dedicated to being a real ally can actually help and support your black fellow human being, whether that's in the workplace, whether that's, you know, in community affairs, whether that's, you know, supporting their businesses, whether that's, you know, making the body of Christ, um, void of racism because it unfortunately persists in every realm of society, including the church. And so I have, for a while, you know, nurtured the thought about how in order to be a blessing, you have to care. And to put it another way, it's easy to be a blessing when you care. Think about it. If you see someone in distress, maybe their car has broken down on the side of the road and you have the means, meaning maybe you have the physical brawn because you're a man and maybe you know how to change a tire. You have the know-how to help. What's, what, what is the, 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 the thread for you to actually manifest that into something that's going to benefit that individual in distress? You have to care. You actually have to care. There has to be something that rises up in your heart, some level of empathy that allows you to put yourself in that other person's shoes and think about what would you want if that were you. And that typically will move you, that will evoke some type of reaction or proaction, ideally, to say, you know what, I'm going to be of service to this fellow human. And I really want us to kind of strip away the, just so much of thinking about races as if there are multiple races, because there's the human race, and then within the human race, you have blacks, whites. Asians, Latinos, Italians, on and on and on. However you want to classify your ethnicity, we all ultimately are one race and of one blood according to the word of God. And so I think it's really critical right now for anyone who wants to be a blessing to Black Lives Matter's movement, to their fellow black, you know, human human, that you actually have to care. You can't separate one from the other. You can't just write a blank check or a blind check. Excuse me. A blank check would be wonderful, but you can't just write a blind check and say, okay, I've donated to the NAACP or I've donated to this or into the urban league and I'm good. And there was never that, that time of listening. There was never that time of genuine, caring, curiosity, because curiosity is really big when it comes to even caring. You often have to kind of have some level of curiosity to care about something, right? That's sometimes how it begins, not always, but curiosity can often be that catalyst for getting you to care because once you start to be curious and you start to Walk out that curiosity through maybe reading or discussions or, you know, uh, research, whatever it looks like, and you start to feed that curiosity, then you're in a position to actually care because now you can what? Relate. And so once you can relate, then that fosters that caring, which ultimately is going to move you ideally to a place of action that is a blessing to someone else. And in this instance, a blessing to your fellow, you know, black brothers and sisters. And so we can even see this in the word of God, kind of this pattern of curiosity, caring and ultimate blessing, even in how Jesus would interact with people in the Bible during his time on the earth. Um, and if you want to grab your Bibles, I'm going to go over to John chapter four, St. John chapter four. And I just want us to look at this. Um, this is not going to be a long um, you know, message today. I always say that and I get tickled because I say that. And then 45 minutes later, I'm still going, but even when it's long, it's good, right? So who cares? <laughs> but actually I, I was intending for this to be relatively quick, but I did want us to think about that because we're in the thick of it right now. And I know I've had friends, white friends reach out to me privately and say, Hey, I want to talk with you. You know, would you be open? I want to understand your experiences and, and man, any given person, um, black person is going to have experiences for days. Uh, for most of us, it starts when we're very young, our exposure to racism and racist behaviors and ideologies. And so again, back to what you know my pastor said about his spiritual father it's then us being kind of on on guard to kind of navigate that and still have a semblance of normalcy in our day-to-day lives and still have that sense of of self love and knowing who we are and knowing that someone else's thoughts about us their erroneous beliefs about us and who we are and how we measure up you know counteracting all of that our safety and how we have to navigate with you know um different schemas in society whether it's law enforcement or whatever that might look like um and you know coming out alive on the other side all of this is a very real day-to-day reality um maybe not at the forefront of our thinking but it's there in the background and we we always know that, you know, it's, it's just different for us. Um, And God is great. He's good. And our ultimate identity is in him, but we can't just brush this under the spiritual carpet and say, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Because we see the ugly, evil real life um, implications that come before us almost daily, whether it's via media or a personal scenario that you may have experienced. Or someone that you know may have experienced. So it's, it's definitely time to have the conversations. It's time to confront this insidious, um, really, disease in our society. This ugly, ugly disease in American history, in American society. Front on... And I think we're at the place now with the especially with the murder of George Floyd. Um, I think that was the tipping point for, of course, our community, but for those who are outside of the black community to really wake up and say, and see that this cannot continue as it is. So with that, if you have your Bibles, let's go over to John four. If you don't, it's okay. Just listen again. You can always go back and And look up the scriptures later. I'm going to be reading out of the New Living Translation. So you can just listen if you don't have that translation and go back and look it up later. And we're starting here. And this is the story about Jesus and the Samaritan woman. You probably have heard or read um, this passage of scripture at some point. And so that's what we're going to look at right now. um, And kind of look at how Jesus handled um, being curious about someone. How that turned into caring and ultimately into blessing. Okay, so I'm going to start at the top. Verse 1, Jesus knew the Pharisees had heard that he was baptizing and making more disciples than John. Though Jesus himself didn't baptize them, his disciples did. So he left Judea and returned to Galilee. He had to go through Samaria on the way. Eventually, he came to the Samaritan village of Sychar, near the field that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Verse six, Jacob's well was there and Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat wearily beside the well about noontime. Now, you know, honey, they had to be some fine people back in that day or skinny. I don't know which one it was, but they walked everywhere. Can you just imagine? Or they got in the boat and rowed. Still, it was a lot of physical activity. And I tell you. I love the few cities remaining and this is so off topic, but I just thought about that when it said the Lord was tired because he had a long walk. Cause you think about, he's saying he's going to go to another city and in our modern time, you're thinking, Oh, I'm going to get in my car or I'm possibly going to get on a flight. Well, not right now, but whatever it looks like, you're going to, you know, have a mode of transportation other than I can Mike your two feet, but not back then. Um, they had that Mediterranean diet, in the middle, in that part of the world and possibly in other parts, they were very physically active. They walked everywhere. So just imagine, you know, just the level of health that, that brought with, with everything. And our sedentary lifestyle in contrast is, um, it's kind of (laughs) sad. So just a note, it just stuck out to me. Um, since we're chatting, I thought I'd share that with you. So back to the scriptures in verse seven, it says, soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water and Jesus said to her, please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. The woman was surprised for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. You know, back then it was really strict. There was no mixing and mingling. The Jews had their covenant and they, their God, and really was not a lot of intermingling or interaction. Um, the Samaritans were kind of like the second class citizens. So she said to Jesus, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? Jesus replied, if you only knew the gift of God, the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. Verse 11, but sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket. She said, and this well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? And besides, do you think you're greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoyed? Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life please sir the woman said give me this water then I'll never be thirsty again and I won't have to come here to get water go and get your husband Jesus told her so now we're going to see Jesus kind of switch things up now Jesus is all-knowing you know he's he has gifts he has the gift of wisdom the gift of knowledge and he flows through that throughout his earthly ministry so here he's tapping into his wisdom about this lady's life but he's just not going to call her out. He's not going to shame her because that's not the God we serve. He's not going to make her feel bad about herself, but he wants to bring some truth on the scene because his aim, now that they have this interchange going, his aim is to bless her and to help her and to be a blessing. So watch how smoothly he does this. So he says, go and get your husband. He just totally flips it from the water to the, to this. And he says, go and get your husband. Jesus told her. And she said, I don't have a husband. So at least she told the truth. She told the truth. And then he says, yeah, you're right. You don't have a husband for you had five husbands and you aren't even married to the man you're living with. Now you certainly spoke the truth. So we got to kind of got a little sting and poke in there to say, yeah, I kind of know about your scenario. Um, I have supernatural knowledge of, of your life and the things that have been happening in this area of your life. And he, he also came back with grace and said, and you've actually spoken the truth. So we kind of tied it up with the bow, but it exposed the fact that here she was. She'd already been married five times for whatever reason. It didn't work out. Ooh, child, I don't even know how she did that. Um, and she was now living with someone. Maybe she'd given up on marriage and she just thought she just lived with somebody who knows. And so this literally freaks her out as it would anyone. I would imagine you meet a strange person. You guys are just chatting about, you know, water and then a little bit of spiritual things. And the next thing you know, this person is like telling you all these things about your personal life. And you're like, wait a minute, (laughs) how would you know that? And so she says, you must be a prophet. And he said, tell me, why is it that you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place of worship while we Samaritans claim it is here at Mount Gerizim where our ancestors worshiped? So now that she recognizes that, hey, this man is a prophet. There's something special about him. He knows, you know, he's, he's of God. There's a spiritual nature to him. I want to talk to him more about these things. um, And I want to understand why they think that they have like, you know, the lead on, on um, being so spiritual and so, you know, right about spiritual things. And so Jesus replied and said, believe me, dear woman, the time is coming when it will no longer matter whether you worship the father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans know very little about the one you worship, while we Jews know all about him for salvation comes through the Jews. But the time is coming. Indeed, it's here now when the true worshipers will worship the father in spirit and in truth. The father is looking for those who will worship him that way. For God is spirit. So those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know the Messiah is coming. The one who is called Christ. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus told her, I am the Messiah. Can you imagine? Like, can you imagine that? Like the Lord is literally there face to face with you and you're talking with him. How awesome. So she was ecstatic. Um, by this time, his disciples have made it back to where he is. They had gone off to buy some food. And so he was there by himself, as the Bible told us. So now they're back and they're shocked to find him talking to a woman. But the Bible says none of them had the nerve to ask, what do you want with her? And why are you talking to her? I think that's so funny because... It was almost like they were wondering what was going on, but they definitely knew not to bring it up and not to say anything to Jesus because who's going to check Jesus? Like, really? He's Jesus. (laughs) And so the woman left the water jar. She was so overwhelmed. She was so blessed. She was so encouraged. She was so excited about this amazing revelation and exchange she had just had with the Messiah that she didn't have time to sit around and, and care about what the disciples were thinking and saying. She literally started her ministry at that moment because she ran back to her town and started to tell everybody about Jesus and how he had just told her everything about her life and that they should now come and listen to him. So she basically was leading people to the Lord right there. And see, that's what happens when God changes your life. You can't help but go and tell someone else and beckon them to come and have their lives changed as well. If you say you're a believer in Jesus Christ and you're a Christian and you never are motivated and never have a desire to share the gospel with anyone else and to tell about the good things that God has done for you. Then you have to question if you really had that born again experience, because it's not something that you have to muster up. It's natural. It's supernaturally natural for you to want to share and to love and to give and to minister and to pour out because God is so real and he's so good to you. And you just can't keep it to yourself as, as the uh, spirituals say. So this woman wasted no time. She says, I knew he was a prophet. I knew there was something great about him. And now I know he's the Messiah. So I must go and tell people about this Jesus, I must go tell people about this man that has just changed my life. And she does. And so she goes on and you can kind of follow the rest of that. Um, again, that's all in John chapter four and see, you know, um, her excitement and how she again goes and brings her, her village in on the blessing. But the key point I want to get back to is, there was Jesus by himself. Probably didn't necessarily feel like being bothered so much because he was tired, the Bible says. But when this woman came up and she was about to draw water, he struck up a simple conversation with her. And as the conversation began to unfold, he saw an opportunity to minister to her, to explain things to her, to answer her questions. But he wasn't going to leave her the way he found her. So he immediately or at, at a certain point, he he switched over and began to talk to her about her life. Personal things that only she would know. And that led to her ultimately seeing him as the Messiah. The only reason that happened, really, is because Jesus cared. See, we're going back to that caring that I started off talking about. That's what we're talking about today. We're talking about caring enough to be a blessing. And that means sometimes caring enough to tell someone the truth, because anybody can have a atta boy an attaboy, girl, you know, that only a yes man and a no man that only tells them what they want to hear. But that doesn't benefit anyone. Jesus could have played along with her and, you know, pacified her. In her situation. But that wouldn't have helped her. That wouldn't have opened her eyes. To who God is. And the power of God. And what was coming. um, For her life. Neither does that help anyone. It doesn't help for us to play games with each other. When we're having these hard conversations. Caring sometimes does include confrontation. Confrontation brings about growth. It doesn't, and it should not be seen with just a negative lens because there's a lot of benefit that comes. What we're seeing now, via peaceful protesting and having laws changed to reflect humane treatment of blacks, where inhumane, systemic, oppressive racism has persisted, is our acts of caring and acts of confrontation we're confronting the status quo that is oppressive. And we're saying we need and expect these changes to occur so that there can ultimately be true equality in our society. Corporations are being held accountable. Every sphere of society is being held accountable to some degree. Now, whether they rise to the challenge or they sink because they refuse to change, Is ultimately a decision they have to make, but somewhere we're counting on the fact that someone actually cares. They actually care enough to listen. Number one, to shed the ignorance and it's not going to happen in one fell swoop. This is going to literally probably be a lifetime commitment, especially for our allies, because for most of them, this is totally out of their range of existence, when you are always you know the superior or or the privileged you're not you're not challenged to have to think about what it is like for someone else and so there is a lesser empathetic inclination but covid-19 if, even before you know we really had to turn this racism monster on its head. COVID-19 should have been a tickler to say, guess what? We're all equal because no matter how much money you have, no matter your skin color, even though COVID has disproportionately impacted blacks, but that's because of systemic things in our society that have kept blacks in a certain place with less access to health care, lower living wages, Sometimes the wages aren't even living wages. Um, So economic oppression and all those things that multiply into the disease having um, a greater impact in certain black communities. But ultimately, the disease itself levels the playing field because no matter who you are, you're susceptible to getting it. And no matter how many jets you have or cars you have or homes you have or any of that, you had to sit down somewhere. So you had to sit down with all that, just like the person who might only have a bicycle had to sit down and you had to stay home and you had to cover your mouth. Ideally, cover your mouth, cover your face with a mask. Be respectful. And you still have people that don't care enough to do that. Because that's ultimately what you're saying when you decide not to do those things, when you decide not to wear your face mask, when you decide not to socially distance yourself, when you decide not to follow these simple, basic requests and in some places requirements for the betterment of everyone else, for society as a whole, you're showing by your actions, no matter what your words say, You're showing by your actions that you don't care about anyone else. And if that's the person that you want to be, good luck with that. And I don't even believe in luck. But basically, that's not going to take you very far here or in any situation in life. There has to be a level of empathy where you say, you know what? Even if I don't feel like I'm at risk. I care enough about my, the next person that I might encounter understanding what they've expressed to me about this disease and how it's spread. I care enough to be a respectful of my fellow human being and to do my part to help us as a community, as a neighborhood, as a state, as a country to recover So that people don't lose their jobs. So that essential workers don't have to keep putting their lives on the lines. So that our healthcare professionals aren't overwhelmed. But it takes you caring. That's where it starts. And the blessing comes from there. And if your head is so in the sand that you've never ever. Had to for a moment consider what life is like. Even for that essential worker or anyone else. That's a sad place to be and it's time to wake up. The clarion call is here. This is the defining moment in history that will show who stood for what and what is your life all about after all? Is it only for you and your benefit or do you really have a greater purpose That actually serves humanity. That's the life worth living. And that's the life that God has called us to. So if you're grappling with how. You can be a blessing. Not only in these matters. Not only in the matter of. Us recovering as a nation from COVID-19. And flattening the curve. Not only in the matters of. Overcoming and squashing racism. And being an anti-racist. Where you say, I care enough to educate myself, to read books, to support black businesses, to have conversations, to listen and not speak and think I know everything. And to foster mutual goodwill as we move forward. If you care enough to do all those things, then you're on the right path. And the blessings are going to flow from that because there will be change. There'll be change in behavior. There'll be change in tone. There'll be change in policies, laws, what's acceptable, what's unacceptable, how we're held accountable to each other. There'll be some retroactive things that happen. To level the playing field. Especially from an economic standpoint. There will be a lot of change. That's why I started this thing off by saying. Change is coming. And if we do it right. It will be change for the better. And that's where I'm placing my prayers. And my faith. But we all have a part. In simply caring enough. Being curious enough. To think about the next person. To consider the next person. With something as simple as putting on a face mask. With something as simple as having a conversation. And listening to what your black brother and sister is sharing with you. Are the first steps to a pathway of blessing. So I want to thank you for listening to the good life of Dawn Richards. I pray that today's word has stimulated your heart. Maybe there are some things that I shared that have stirred some things up in you that you know that you can take action on or you can help others to understand. I do want you to be liberal in sharing the podcast. You can support it by subscribing, leaving comments and reviews downloading, and yeah, come back to it again and again. Sometimes we, as humans, we are creatures of habit and we have to have repetition. We typically don't get everything on the first fell swoop. In fact, we usually probably only get about 20% of what's being said. So there's a whole 80% out there that we can come back and maximize on as we listen again and again, and this is free to you to do so. So please stay connected with with me and with the ministry, donrichards.org. online. We have lots of resources there on social media at Dawn Richards Ministries on Facebook, Dawn Richards men on Twitter and Instagram. And I pray that you will nurture a spirit of caring, a spirit of curiosity, and ultimately allow that to be transformed into a life of you being a blessing to others. And until next time, remember to be intentional in your life and in how you live. This message is definitely one about intentional living. And I pray the good life overwhelms you in every way. In Jesus' name, God bless you.